Welcome to season three of the Bible for My Ordinary Life podcast. My name is Alicia Parker and I'll be your host. Are you interested in what the Bible really means or wondering how it's relevant to life today? If so, this podcast is for you. In this season, we are going back to where it all begins, the book of Genesis. No matter what your age or your background or your experience is with the Bible, I believe you can find something fresh and meaningful every time you study it. Hi, my name's Ariana. The Bible is for everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Ariana. All right, friends, let's get started. Hello, everyone. I'm glad you've joined me today as we continue in our study of Genesis. Today's chapter is going to reveal a lot more detail about the promise God has made to Abram. And God is going to give Abram the news that he and his entire community must be circumcised. But this part of the story is an important piece in the entire storyline of Abram and all of God's chosen people. When we finished chapter 18, Abram was 86 years old. Now the author jumps 13 years in the next verse and opens up today's narrative with the words, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God almighty, live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Now let's remember that the last thing we knew was that Abram had a son born through Hagar. His name was Ishmael. It's quite possible that in the gap of 13 years, Abram had come to believe that Ishmael was the promised seed and that God would fulfill his promises through this son. But that is not the case. This chapter begins with God introducing himself with a name he's not yet used. In English, the name is God Almighty or the Sovereign God. But to pronounce this in Hebrew, you can say El Shaddai. Now, what's significant about this is that any time God reveals a name for himself in Scripture, it's because he's demonstrating another part of his character. So why would God show up to Abram after 13 years and introduce himself as the Almighty? Well, my guess is that he's about to do something that only God can do. He introduces himself, even though Abram has heard from God before. He's never appeared to Abram. And now for the third time, he's establishing that he's going to set up a covenant with Abram and multiply him greatly. So I love Abram's response. Let's look at verse three. It says this, then Abram fell face down and God spoke to him. So the Lord appeared to Abram. I don't know in what form, but in some manner, Abram could see God. Now, the first time God interacted with Abram was Genesis 12, one, and it says, the Lord said to Abram. And in chapter 15, we read that the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And so now today we read that God Almighty appeared to him. And Abram's response is to fall face down. I don't want to just gloss over this because I think it's a good reminder for us as we think about themes in this book, one of which is God's character. God is almighty and he is holy. And he is so worthy of our worship that when humans encounter him, their natural response is to fall down in worship. Now, the next several verses are essentially a divine speech that God gives Abram. And he's expanding on what Abram already has learned about this covenant. 
So as I read the next several verses, think about what you already know from our previous discussions of God's promises versus what you learn that's new in what you hear. I'm starting today at this point in verse three, and I'm going to read from the Holman Christian version. It's a lot, but hang with me. Then Abram fell face down and God spoke with him. As for me, my covenant is with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but your name will be Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will keep my covenant between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan as an eternal possession, and I will be their God. God also said to Abraham, As for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant, which you are to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you at eight days old is to be circumcised. This includes a slave born in your house and one purchased with money from a foreigner. The one who is not your offspring, a slave born in your house, as well as one purchased with money, must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her. Indeed, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will produce nations. Kings of people will come from her. Phew, God had a lot to say, didn't he? And actually, we aren't quite done with this divine speech, but let's pause here and just talk about what's new news. Abram already knew God would multiply his descendants, but here God tells him he will father many nations. Way back in his first encounter with God, Abram was told he would be a great nation, that he would be blessed. His name would be great. Those who blessed him would be blessed and those who cursed him would be cursed and the whole earth would be blessed through him. God told him to go and Abram did. In chapter 13, after Abram separated from Lot, God appeared in a vision and showed him the boundaries of the land he would give him. And then in chapter 15, God sent a message again to Abram and again promised him his offspring would number the stars in the sky and a son would come from his own body. Then God had him set up a covenant agreement. Do you remember this one? Abram killed specific animals and waited all day until God put him into a terrible sleep. And God appeared as a smoking pot and a torch. And it was then that Abram learned that his descendants would be in captivity for 400 years, so that they'd be released and they'd be able to return to this land that Abram would be given. And again, God established specific boundaries of the land that would be his. And after all this time, his only son has come from his wife's servant. 
He's nearly lived a full century, long past the natural childbearing years of this generation of people. And now God shows up and delivers all kinds of details that flesh out that plan, pun intended. So first, God has established his identity. Then he tells Abram to walk before him and be blameless. Now, this is an idiom which is essentially communicating that God expects Abram to commit his life to following God, to being faithful to him. Remember, however, that we learn that God's covenants are unconditional. We don't have to, and frankly, we can't earn his love. But his love is not a license to treat him however we want. He does expect us to reciprocate back, and to love him is to honor him. And to honor him is to follow his ways. And so that's what this phrase is communicating. So God's identity is established and his expectation for Abram is established. And then God says he's going to establish his covenant with Abram and give him a multitude of descendants. And this is the beginning of the new news. Abram had already seen a visual of the stars in the sky representing his descendants. So it's here that God now changes Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. And to our English-speaking ears, this might not be significant. But Old Testament names have meanings. The Hebrew name Abram means exalted father. But Abraham means father of a multitude. Imagine this old man who's 99 years old, lying face down in the presence of Almighty God. He knows he only has one son. And his name has been Exalted Father. That son was from a woman other than his wife. And here God tells him he will be the father of many nations and many kings would come from him and changes his name to literally be father of many. And then God promises to extend his covenant to all his future generations. God also reiterates that the land would be theirs. Abram had already been shown the land, but it's been years since he and God looked out over the land and God described his future borders. Now God introduced a new aspect of the covenant. Abraham is to institute the practice of circumcision. So please, let's just pause here and again, try to envision the scene. Abraham's face down in the presence of God. He's just been renamed and been given further details on the promise he's known about for several years and waited for. And all of a sudden, God introduces something Abram has to do. And it's not just Abraham, but every male in his household, which at this point was quite large because of the various people he had acquired and the folks that had been born into his community. Now, based on some of the research I did, this is not the first time people were circumcised. I think it's safe to believe that other cultures also practice circumcision. History supports that. But it wasn't widely practiced in this area of the world where we find Abraham. And it was actually quite uncommon to circumcise babies. Usually, it was done as a rite of passage from boyhood to manhood. Now, if I were Abraham, I'd be wondering why God wanted this particular thing done. And I might be squirming a little bit about it. Like, come on, God, can't I just agree to be faithful? Do we have to get into cutting off skin and very tender areas of the body? But in the next verse, we get a snippet of what Abraham is thinking. And it's not 
about the circumcision at all. Here's verses 17 and 18. Then Abraham bowed down with his face to the ground and laughed as he said to himself, Can a son be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Abraham's missed the point of God's newly introduced name. Remember, he started this conversation by saying, I am God Almighty. God has promised Abraham this seed would come from him. And you can hear that disbelief in his thoughts as he questions how, at the age that he and Sarah are, could it be possible for this to now happen? Did you catch what the verse said about his posture and his reaction? It said he bowed his face to the ground and he laughed. Now, have you ever laughed at something that seemed like an impossibility, almost in a scoffing manner? I don't think it was Abraham's attention to be disrespectful. I think he's just incredulous. You see, he's not that different than you and I. He's human. And sometimes humans scoff at what we can't understand. But what he voices out loud to God is just a little different and without laughter. But it's rooted in his lack of faith. He wants Ishmael to be good enough, to be the chosen seed, to be the fulfillment of the promise. So he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And he's saying, can Ishmael live with this blessing? Can he be the chosen seed? But this is not God's plan. So God continues with this response. God said, no. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Now, if this was written through today's cultural lens, I feel like the author would have said something cheeky like, and God dropped the mic and walked off the stage. <laughs> because this does feel like a mic drop moment. God lays it out in detail for him. And this is the Alicia paraphrase of God's response. Ishmael isn't my plan, but I hear your heart as a father, so he will get a blessing. But I am God Almighty, and despite your old age and Sarah's shriveled womb, a son through Sarah is the plan, and it'll be one year from now, and he'll be born. Name him Isaac, because that means laughter, and isn't that what you just did? Mic drop. <laughs> or as the author said, and God went up from him. Now this is the most detail we've seen Abraham receive about the covenant. We finally have a specific timeline for the birth of the promised son. And Abraham has even been told the name of his son. Isaac means laughter. In fact, in these three verses, the father, the mother, and the son have all received a new name. Abram's name changed from exalted father to father of multitudes. Sarai's name changed from Sarai to Sarah. And Sarai means princess or woman of strength. And it's hard to say if Sarah has much of a different meaning because it is the same root name, 
It may mean something like my Sarah, which would imply that Sarah was God's chosen mother for the nation of Israel to come from. And now the son has gone from an abstract and impossible promise to a son to be named Isaac a year from now. And we know that Isaac means laughter and will likely always remind Abraham of his response to God's specific promise of this child's birth. So God gives Abraham this divine speech and then, quote, goes up from him. And now let's find out what Abraham does. The last few verses of chapter 17 say this. Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, whether born in his house or bought with money, and circumcised them on that very same day, just as God had told him to. Now, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. His son Ishmael was 13 years old when he was circumcised. Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised on the very same day. All the men of his household, whether born in the household or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. I can't imagine Abraham's community was excited about this word from the Lord. Circumcision is painful, and it, it takes some time to heal from. But did you notice when Abraham did this? It says, On the very same day that God told him, he circumcised every male in his household. Abraham's obedience was immediate. And I love how he just jumps right in and does what he's told. And here's why I want to spend a minute talking about this theme of patterns and human behavior we've returned to week after week in our study of Genesis. Abraham is a man of great faith. We see this in his immediate obedience time and time again. He got up and left his family when God told him to. He built an altar and worshiped God several times. He collected all the animals for the covenant making as God commanded him. And here, he immediately circumcised every male under his headship. But in the midst of all this good, Abraham continually makes some very human choices. He goes to Egypt and gets in all kinds of trouble there by concocting a lie about his wife, who he claims is his sister. He lets his wife talk him into impregnating a servant, causing all kinds of family grief and drama. He laughs at God's promise of a son, even though God is standing right there. Abraham has a lot to admire about his faith, but he also made mistakes. He misjudged things. He caused himself some of his own trouble. So my friends, let's be aware of that same propensity for this in our own lives. Just because we prayed a sinner's prayer or label ourselves a Christian or read our Bible or listen to podcasts about the Bible or go to church or whatever it is we do to identify with our faith, it doesn't make us immune from making some pretty bad mistakes. We can live faithful lives and still make some bad choices, have moments of unbelief and falter on this journey we're on. Right after Abraham laughs to himself about the impossibility of God's promise, he gets up and fully obeys God. He and Ishmael go first and then every other male after. Circumcision was an outward sign of being different. And from here on out, by the eighth day, the boys belonging to Abraham's community, which would grow into a nation, would be marked as belonging to God. And there are a lot of different ways in which God could have chosen to mark them. It could have been an ear piercing or a tattoo of some sort, but he chose circumcision. 
And I think this is related to the idea of a promised seed. Circumcision occurs on the part of the body that would produce the seeds that would literally grow this nation. The word circumcision actually means to cut off. It is the literal cutting off of skin. But it can also be used figuratively. Later on in the Old Testament, when God tells the people to circumcise their hearts, he doesn't mean that literally. It means to cut off the callous, jaded attitudes and leave the tender, loving portions of their heart. Circumcision was a show of cutting off the old and becoming new under God's plan. And finally, another reason God may have chosen circumcision is that it's generally regarded as more hygienic. Circumcised males have fewer medical issues related to the foreskin. It's a physical act that symbolizes being set apart, being made new, and being freed from uncleanliness. These are all things God calls us to do as followers of him. So it leads me to this question. Because like Abraham, we would be wise to obey right away, to cut off the old and identify with him, with whatever calling he's placed on our hearts. So what might need to be cut off from your life? Is there an attitude, a behavior, or a habit that needs to go? God has called us to be different and to be noticeably different from others. He no longer requires physical circumcision of his followers to mark them as set apart. But he does call us to cut off the things that keep us from walking in obedience to him. Now, we'll likely falter from time to time because, after all, we are human. But God Almighty, El Shaddai, his promises are forever. and He will not fail. He will always be faithful to us, even if we laugh or scoff at his plans. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoy what you heard. Don't forget to leave a review and connect with us on Instagram. The Bible is for everyone.